read the scripture with us this morning, Joshua chapter 3. If you've got your Bibles, open it up there. It'll be on the screen as well. Crossing the Jordan. Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan, where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests who are Levites carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go, since you have never been this way before. But keep a distance of about a thousand yards between you and the ark. Do not go near it. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Joshua said to the priests, Take up the ark of the covenant and pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and went ahead of them. And the Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel, so they may know that I am with you, as I was with Moses. Tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. Joshua said to the Israelites, Come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. This is how you will know that the living God is among you, and that he will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, Perizzites, Girgashites, Amorites and Jebusites. See, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you. Now then, choose twelve men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. And as soon as the priests who carry the Ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream, will be cut off and stand up in a heap. So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during the harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the Ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarathon, while the water flowing down to the Sea of the Arabah, the Salt Sea, was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on the dry ground in the middle of the Jordan, while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. Thanks, John. That's a, uh, I love Joshua. If you're ever feeling discouraged, you know, uh, jump in and read Joshua 1. Most of you would know that, where um, the Lord speaks to Joshua, how this young man has to take, uh, take over after Moses and um, feels like, wow, that's pretty overwhelming. Have a look at the multi-millions behind me. You know, most of them complaining. All they really know is how to pitch a tent. 
and how to collect food for free, you know, and he had to leave them. So I love Joshua. This is a great story of a, of a new stage, and, and I want to talk about, um, in change and transition, how important the presence of God is this morning. See, New Year's, and this is, as Donna said, this is our first church service in the new year. Um, and I don't know what, what it's like for you, but New Year's are a time of transition and change for pretty much all of us. We, uh, we make resolutions to change things, don't we? How many of you made New Year's resolutions this year? Yeah, I've given up too. <laughs> I bet some of you did. You just want to put your hand up. How many of you made resolutions? Uh, he, let me try this. How many of you made little resolutions inside your head, but you didn't tell anyone? You said, I want to do this this year. Gone. How many did that? Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, I see hands now. When you tell people, you have to do it, right? We make resolutions to change things. We hope for, for new experiences or, or new situations. As we look to the year ahead, we, we hope for new opportunities. We, some of us will, will change school from school to work, um, from single to married. There you go. I don't even have that in my notes, but I made that up as I went. Rob, how you go? From school to, to university, perhaps. Maybe you're going to change jobs. Maybe you're going to change your, your house this year. Maybe the context you're in is going to change. You know, some of us will, will make changes in our lives. Some of us want to make changes to things, don't we? We need refreshing in areas. There's things that we want to change about our life. There's things that we want to change about um, what, what's ahead of us and where we live or what we do. Some of us want to conquer things. We want to grow into new things. We want to get better at stuff. You know, I was thinking, getting better at stuff. I was thinking about that. That's why at One Hope we do a golf day every New Year's Day because we're useless and we need a treat trying to get better at it. And, you know, have you ever seen golfers, how they just keep practicing and practicing and practicing? And, and when you ask them, how are you going? They always say, oh, it's terrible. That's tr- yeah, see? You know why we laugh, don't you? And I think of cricket. How many of you love cricket? Oh, you're going to dislike me immensely. You know, the cricket, they say there's a test. How many, ty- how many guys, these guys must not be very good that come back every year because every year they have to do another test. And they keep trying. We want to get better at stuff. We want to, um, I always make that comment, I've done it up here before, about tennis. I, wanna, I play tennis and I want to get better at tennis, so I watch the Open every year. <laughs> it's not working for me either, Joel, don't worry about it, <laughs> you know. We all, and, and we all, I hope we all, want to grow more in God. We want to see Him work more in our lives, don't we? It's always a time of transition and a new start for churches too when we start a new year. And everything's sort of lying low at the moment and we're waiting for the programs to start. And in the back rooms, in the church office, in the kids' ministry, youth ministry, in the leadership, there's already stuff happening. There's already emails that happened at the end of last year. It's already happening. Because there's transition and, and change and for a church too as it starts off. We restart ministries and maybe we're going to do new things in new ways. Maybe we're going to do fresh things. There's going to be new themes and, and new people coming in. And for us at One Hope particularly, I guess, there have been changes and this year there will be quite some changes and transitions. We'll have a major shift in our leadership with Glenn leaving we have been and, and, and we will be making changes and transitions ongoing in leadership and structure. 
And most of us, if not all of us as human beings, we don't like change. We don't really like transition. We naturally work against it. It's, it's uncomfortable. It's inconvenient. It just it messes with us. So Happy New Year, right? Well, it can be and it will be if we fix our eyes on God. See, Joshua 3 is a story of a huge transition and change that God called his people into. There was a leadership change. There's a a geographical move. There's a literal step of faith that they have to make into a whole new way and a whole new place of living. Think about it. Think about they've just spent 40 years in habits and roles and, and the way they lived. This was a whole new thing. And there are, in Joshua 3, there's a stack of themes about transition here. But perhaps the biggest, and what I want to focus on today, as I've already said, is the presence of God, the ark. And we know, don't we, that for the Israelites, the ark was where God lived, don't we? We know that that's, they knew that was the presence of God. That's where God is, you know, in the Holy of Holies, in, in the ark there. And where the ark went, the ark was always the thing that they knew that's the presence of God. So what I'd like to focus on is that whole presence of God, and perhaps in the next week or so, following instructions, obedience, because that's in there as well. See, if we pick up Joshua, in Joshua 1, we see Joshua coming on as a new leader, being encouraged as the new leader. He's a little bit shaky on his feet. He's not really sure what he's doing, but God says to him in Joshua 1, three to four times, you know, be strong, be courageous, you'll be okay because I'll be with you. And then he goes and tells the people to get ready. You know, after God encourages him, he goes up to people and says, okay, get your stuff, guys. We've got three days, we're getting out of here. We could do that in three days, us sitting here, right? But you've got to move multi- a few million people in three days. There's a lot of work to do. There's sheep to be shorn, there's cows to be milked, there's tents to be broken down, there's, you know, any number of things. But Joshua, full of confidence, goes and says, we're moving. And he moves them just to the edge of the Jordan. The old leader, Joshua 1, the old main leader's gone. Joshua feels a huge responsibility. God tells, tells him to be courageous. Not because Joshua is good, but because God is good. Because God himself will be with him and he will guide him. He'll show him what to do and where to do it. The people are told that change and transition is coming. We know what that's like, don't we? We've been saying that as a church for the last half a year. The people are told that change and transition is coming and to get ready. And small changes begin. They, they, get, they start packing and they get to the edge of the Jordan. Joshua 2, they send out two spies to go and check out the first place they're going to conquer. Joshua 2 is a story of that. You know, these two spies, they, they find out that the people in this land are really afraid because God's people have got a reputation. You know, sometimes I was struck by that when I was reading that this week, even though we're not talking about Joshua 2. Sometimes we struggle as Christians with all of the challenges in our world, thinking that we're going to be overwhelmed and overrun by the challenges. This was a great reminder to me that the people had heard of how great the God of the Israelites were, and they were afraid. Let's not underestimate how great our God is and how God can speak to those that we're trying to reach or change in our situation. Whole nother sermon, sorry about that. But this was this two spies, this was a preparation by the leaders. The leaders sent the spies in, check it out practically. Before this new change and transition happens, these guys, they experience God's provision. 
in Rahab. You know the story of Rahab. Rahab hides them under some straw on the roof so the baddies can't get them. The deal is if I hide you, you make sure you don't plunder me when you come back because we know you're going to win. You know, that's how confident they were. So they head back and they tell Joshua everything that he needs to know. Joshua has taken time in chapter 2 to prepare as much as he can, to get informed as much as he can, to lead the people into change and transition. And I think that's been key for us here as One Hope in the last year, doing as much as we could to prepare for what was going to go on. More on that. Then we get to chapter 3. It's on. The move's going to happen. Okay, people. You know, so Joshua says, okay, people, all we've been leading to for 40 years and in recent times it comes to now. For 40 years, all of the things that, that, that began when we, when we left Egypt, when God rescued us out of Egypt, this is not a new thing. This is the end of that process. All that the 40 years was for, even though you got used to sitting and relaxed in your, your traditions and your habits and the way you live in your tent and who sleeps in what room and, and how we get food and everything, even though you thought, well, this is it, this is how we're going to do it, it wasn't. This is what it's for. We cross into the next phase and begin the campaign. The transition proper starts now. And there were probably like a myriad of instructions. Can you imagine? They're at the edge, they're at the edge of the Jordan and they've got to go across and start conquering the first land. There were likely a myriad of instructions and things that they had to do and things that they needed to be aware of. But Joshua makes it clear that the most important thing they need to do first is watch out for when God moves. What a great, a great, great encouragement. What a great thing for us. Watch out first when God... Read verses 3 and 4 again. If you've still got it, you can have a look. And, and Joshua says um, in verse 3, a little bit into verse 3, says, When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, when you see it, so he's, going, he's, he's assuming they're looking for it. And the Levitical priests carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you'll know which way is the right way to go, since you've never been this way before. He said, guys, we haven't done this before. This is new territory. This is a new year. This is a new thing. So keep your eyes on God. Keep your eyes on the ark, and when you see it move, stick with it and go with it because that's the only way you're going to go the right way if you follow it. You'll know what to do and where to go if you keep your eyes on God. That's a brilliant point for each of us as we enter our new year. I'm not sure what your new year looks like, what you hope it looks like. I'm not sure how much you've planned it out already. Some of us are real planners and some of us are, well, let's see how it goes. But it seems to me that this same instruction that Joshua had for the Israelites would be helpful for me and for you. Looking to the presence of God, seeing where God is already working, where He's leading, what He's doing, seeing what He's doing in us as individuals, in us as a community and around us, that'll help us know which way to go, which decisions to make, how to make those decisions, especially if we're charting new territory like the Israelites were. Because you've never been this way before. I love that. That's why I wanted to read the NIV version. How many of us have been into situations in life, I've never done this before? You know, we went, um, I did a wedding on the Gold Coast last week and the, the families got together and we had a, um, an evening where we did um, barefoot bowls. 
Anyone ever done barefoot bowls? I laughed at old people doing bowls. There is a heck load of skill in that. I'd never done it before. It was, I'd give it, and I threw the thing straight to the end board in the sand. And who knew that it's weighted? If you throw it straight and it slows down, it goes like this. Who knew that? Did you know that? Yeah, right, I didn't. Because I'd never been that way before, you know. And so there's, but that's a little thing. But think about it in your life where there's things that never, never been this way before. Rob, you've never been this way before. And I think that's so exciting. But if you fix your eyes on God, this is what he's saying. If you're charting new territory, how much does the presence of God factor in your planning? How much does seeking God's direction and what He might be doing or want you to do factor? When you make plans, when you think we want to do this this year, I'd like to grow this way, I'd like the business to go here, I'd like my career to go here, I'd like my kids to go to this school or do this, I'd like to buy a new car, I'd like to buy a new house, I'd like to move jobs. How much does the presence of God or looking at what God's already doing factor into that when it's uncharted territory? For Joshua, it was critical that they get this. And the rest of the chapter will show you why. If you don't keep your eyes on him, you might drown. Staying with God and where he's working is a place of blessing, is a place of power and safety. And that's what the Israelites discovered. And our story goes on. They kept their eyes on the ark and they stayed with God and they saw a miracle. You know, we read in verse 13 and then 15 to 17, in verse 13... It says, as soon as the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand in a heap. Now that's confident leadership. Isn't it, Joel? <laughs> that's, as soon as that happens, the water's going to be cut off. And then we read it happened in 15 to 17. We read, now the Jordan is at flood stage all during the harvest. Why do a miracle if you can't do it at its extreme end, right? It's at flood stage all during the harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan, their feet touched the water's edge. The water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away. So ringwood, and we're dry here. It piled up a great distance away at a town called Adam. Okay, it wasn't ringwood. In the vicinity of Zarathon, while the water flowing down to the sea was completely cut off. They followed the presence of God. They kept their eyes on God at what God was doing and they saw a miracle. They saw it again, the power of the presence of God. And don't forget, these people had been saved any number of times by the presence of God in the last 40 years, but they saw it again. You see, they were, they were taught to keep their eyes on God and perhaps we need to do more of that. They were taught that the ark was the presence of God. They, when they set up camp, and I don't know if you've ever <coughs> heard teaching on this, when they set up camp, there was a special way they had to do it with all their, the, you know, the, the tabernacle was in the center of the camp and all the tents had to have their front door facing that. The premise was that when you came out of your tent in the morning, the first thing you saw was God, was the tabernacle, was the presence of God. There was a structure that God needed to be central in their lives. God is the center. Come out and see him. He is present in our camp, in our lives, in our community. Staying close to the presence of God, figuratively and physically for them, was key. Key to them being successful. Key for blessing. Joshua knew that that's where courage came from. See, that's where in, jo- in chapter 1, that's where his courage came from. 
He knew that he didn't have it in himself. He knew that it came from the presence of God in him and with him, or with him actually. Keeping their eyes on God and allowing him to lead them, even into uncharted territory or scary territory or new places, was going to be the best way. They saw it in the miracle of walking across the Jordan on dry land. This new land was surely going to be theirs. There's no doubt in their mind that the presence of God and His power and blessing are related, are linked. You know, and if you read ahead, and, and I love this story, and I don't know if you've ever told the story. One of my favorite characters in the Bible is Obed-Edom. Have I ever told that story in here? Uh, I'll have to do it one day. I don't have time now. But you know, later on, in, you'll read in Samuel where David's bringing the ark back. Remember the ark, the presence of God? And it falls off the cart or about to fall off the cart and he gets scared of it. So he puts it into Obed-Edom's house. Read 2 Samuel chapter 6. Obed-Edom gets the ark, the presence of God in his house for three months and everything is blessed. His whole household. His, 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 his crops grow. It doesn't say all that, but you can imagine everything being blessed. You know, your, your sons get more muscly, your wife gets better looking, all that sort of stuff, you know. You can imagine the blessing. Well, that, that, and David kind of forgot that lesson. How vision leaks in us as humans, right? But Joshua had that. Again, this is a fantastic analogy for us as we head into the new year. With all your plans and dreams, challenges and conquests, big, hairy, audacious plans that you may or may not have, your hopes, your goals, and your desires to grow in faith and courage and character. If you have your eyes on Him, and if you have your eyes on His presence, if you want to stick close to His presence, if you go with Him and you're aligned with His plans for you, then He works in you, then He will work in you, with you, with us. That sounds really good, right? It sounds like just this is the recipe. If I do this, all will be well. Like nothing can go wrong. Life is never difficult and plans never go array. We know that that's not true. We know that God's people often experience things going wrong, things being difficult, things being hard. Think about their time in the desert amongst many other times. But think about the solution was always, think about when they all got in the desert, when they all got sick or bitten by snakes. What was the antidote to that? To look at God, wasn't it? When things, we know that things go wrong and they did for the Israelites as well. We know that they had difficult and hard times. We know Joshua was afraid at times. My parents used to have this little tile hanging on the wall, as Dutchies do. And it was in Dutch, but loosely translated, it said this, God never promised us smooth sailing all the time, but he did promise to be with us all the time. And I think that's, you know, it's not always going to go great, but the presence of God we're to look for. God's presence as we chart our course is invaluable and necessary. For us as a church, you know, we'll make some changes this year and, and we'll take action and we'll carry out plans as we always would, as any church would as you start a new year. But this year, even more for us, we'll need to make and experience some bigger changes, some bigger transitions, some different ones. And for some of you as individuals, that's going to be true as well. We will need to look for God often. We'll need to seek His presence. You know, what we don't do in churches and and, and and I don't do in my own life, to my shame, is, you know, I love to plan and organize stuff, and we love to have church meetings where we organize things and, and plan how we're going to do this. 
But we never just stop for a whole hour and just say, let's just seek His presence. Let's just pray and see what God wants us to do. You know, that's sometimes our last port of call. I can remember when we were um, um, in Uganda in 2008, and it was Johan and Glenn and myself, and I think Rob was with us, and we were buying land. And naively, we thought we could buy land, sort it all out, and fly home within 10 days. Not going to happen. This is Africa. You know, and, and I was a little bit bewildered by the process because I'm more of a people person, but then you've got someone like Johan who's brilliant with structure and organisation and, and legalese and all that sort of stuff. Um, but also someone that is very... that We were all very determined that this was going to happen and it just wasn't happening. And we tried everything. We tried a different attorney. We tried to get into the, the, the authorities in Kampala. We, we, we tried a stack of stuff. And one morning we thought... Why don't we pray? And I can remember us standing on the edge of the Nile just praying. And I can remember us being so frustrated, we had tears coming out of our eyes. And after that prayer, we got on a plane at the end of 10 days and we owned property. But we left it till the last thing to our shame. We need to look for God often, even in our church as we move forward. Seek His presence as we make decisions and move. And it might not always seem logical or safe. Who thought stepping in the Jordan at high flow was a good idea? You know, you can see the Israelites, hey, it's, uh, it's high season, it's high, it's what is it, harvest season, the Jordan's going to be going flat out. Why don't we step in it, said no one ever. Sometimes it doesn't make sense. And you'll see, we're going to look at chapter 4 in the next week or two, you'll see there's some other things that, that God says. Even if it's not logical. We may not have a definitive idea of what the outcome's going to be even. Yet we must go with His presence. If you sneak a look ahead in Joshua, God gave them some pretty specific and weird commands. And their job was just to obey. Even though it seemed illogical and silly. Suffice to say that as individuals... And as a church, we're going to head into a time of change and transition, which any new year is. The presence of God and seeking it, looking for it, seeing where it is, seeing what God's up to at the moment, is really, really important for us as individuals and for us as a church. Staying close, listening for His voice was a great example that Scott did. I think his audience almost threatened to get bigger than mine, but I think we might have pipped it. And following his voice in obedience is the key. That's the place that we'll receive the courage to do what we're called to do as a church, as leaders, as individuals. That's the place we'll see blessing and maybe even the odd miracle. How cool would that be? As Israelites discovered that there are enemies to the presence of God in our lives, and I was thinking about that this week, and there's a stack of them, but there's a couple I just want to touch on briefly. The number one enemy is pride, self-service, individualism, that big me. If you're so fixed on you and your own ideas and plans, it becomes hard to fix your eyes on God and His presence. And can you imagine the Israelites? They, they had their own plans. You know, each mother wanted their own kids to, you know, they needed to follow God. If you're listening so keenly to your own heart and your own desires, then you can't hear Him. If you're unwilling to step into things that He shows you, new places, challenges, well, then it's going to be hard to align to His best. As a church community, if we're unwilling to leave the place that we are, remember the Israelites spent 40 years 
doing the same thing in the desert, wandering around. It isn't a big desert if anyone's ever looked at a map. You, know, you could explore most of it in a year, less than. They did it in 40. And that brings, it gives new meaning to counting every grain of sand on the, you know. They were there for 40 years. As a church community, if we're unwilling to leave the place that we are, to let go of the old and to step into the river with God in His presence, then we miss out on the conquests and the places God has for us. And as we continue as a community, asking how to navigate the changes and transitions, wondering how is this going to work, we need to keenly look for His presence and be prepared to go there and stay with Him. Listen to His voice and let it be louder than ours. So the big me, individualism, the second one I had is fear. Fear is another. You know, if there is an enemy to, to um, the presence of God, it's fear. Fear of change, fear of the unknown, fear of being let down, fear that we might have misheard God or that He might let us down. Fear that we might lose face, we might lose money, we might lose status, we might lose some tradition, we might lose security. I could go on and on and on. Fear is a big crippler, isn't it? The Israelites had a lot to fear, and they did. You know, the first story of the spies gives you a good percentage idea of, of what they were like with risk. You know, they sent out, was it 12 spies? You know, 11 came back and said, can't do it. Or no, 10 came back and said, we can't do it. You know, two said we can. Well, if that was a percentage indication of the confidence of people, you can see that fear played in their hearts as well. It started way back in Deuteronomy. Do you remember when they were just out of Egypt and the first time it got hard, they didn't have water, they didn't have food, and they said to Moses, why don't we just go back to Egypt? At least we ate there. We were slaves, but at least we ate there. We'd rather that. We're better off in Egypt as slaves. See, we fear the new oftentimes as humans as well. The presence of God, as we seek it and stay close to God, will cast out fear. That's where God says, fear not. And that's where God says, I will be with you always. Which part of fear not do we misunderstand sometimes you know, when it comes to change? There are a stack of enemies, but those are just a few I wanted to point out. For us, there's a key difference between the Israelites and us. See, for the Israelites, when we talk about the presence of God, for the Israelites, the presence of God was external. They had to watch the ark. There it is. There it is. Oh, it's moving. Oh, there it is. It's in that tent there. There it is. We go to the. We, we bring offerings. We bring sacrifices. But for us, we have the presence and the power of God in us. You see, Jesus took up residence in us. We now have the presence of God in us. How privileged are we? Jesus takes up residence in each one of us. He indwells us with his presence. Through his finished work on the cross, we no longer have to look to an ark or look for where it's moving or go to the ark to the presence of God or an altar or an object. We no longer have to go to the presence of God. We have it in us. And that's an, an enormous privilege. And so Scott's in... Uh, endorsement or Scott's encouragement to the, to the kids before to, to read the Word should be an encouragement for every single one of us. That's where we discover how the presence of God works in us, how He wants to lead us, we should, you know, being in the Word all the time. That's the celebration of Christmas that we've just had, that Jesus came into the world 
so that he could conquer sin and come and take up residence in us. The presence of God in us. That's amazing. But it still means we need to seek it daily, follow it and hear him. All the time. You and I, at the start of another year, new things, opportunities, challenges, relationships, and a stack more. I, you know, I'm sure there's a whole lot more happening in some of the lives in this room than I know. And a lot of changes coming for us as individuals. Remember, we don't like that naturally. Maybe you have some big decisions to make this year. Some hard ones. And maybe some exciting ones. Maybe there'll be change or transition in your life. Or even just the beginning of one. Maybe there's a whole new thing on the horizon for you. A river to cross. A boundary in your life that needs to be broken. For a church, there's a transition to, nego- there's transition to negotiate. Changes that we're going to need to accommodate. New frontiers for us to break into. Opportunities for us to take advantage of. All that's ahead. And it makes the year... You can either feel really tired and think, Oh, no. Or you can feel excited. If we fix our eyes on God, if we look at where God's moving, if we're, if we're consistently determined to stay close to access the presence of God in us, look where the Holy Spirit is moving and doing things. We can be excited about it and not overwhelmed by it. Can I encourage you and us that whilst there's lots of things to consider this year for you and for us, for the year ahead, and many things to keep your eyes on and to keep focused on. Let's major on seeking, desiring, and staying close to the presence of God. Let's major on that. Just like Joshua said, there was probably lots of stuff, but that's the one thing I want you to do. That's got to be the first thing. Let's major on that. Then we'll experience, there we'll experience His blessing and see His power. Just want to finish with this. God said this to his people when they were again in a time of change in Isaiah. His people were in another time of they seemed to be constantly in transition, and maybe that's uh, prophetic for us as well. But I read these words this week, and I believe that they're words for us today. But these are a word for us as a church, and maybe for you as an individual, definitely for me. I believe that they're prophetic words, straight from the word. I'm going to read those things, these words. It's just in Isaiah. You've heard it before. Well, God says to his people, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, see, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Don't you see it? Can't you perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in a wasteland. He's saying, I got this. I've got it. Stick with me. Those are encouraging words for me and I believe that they're words for us this year as we move ahead. Let me pray. God, we want to thank you for your word again. Just recognize, and we want, to be rec- we want to be recognizing its power in our lives. We want to um, increase its power in our lives too, Lord. We want to commit to, to allowing it to, to soak in, to change us. Holy Spirit, we want to allow you to come in and move us in ways that might seem strange and different to us, that might seem new but Lord we want to stick with your presence Lord I pray for each one of us as individuals for the transitions changes and challenges we have this year the exciting ones the things that we're thinking about doing 
the things that we've already planned to do, the things that we're in the midst of doing, I pray, Lord, that we would take the time to stop and seek you, look at you and stand with you and make the moves with you. I pray for us as a church as we make transitions and changes as we've already been doing and, and there are many to come and the waters are uncharted and, and places we haven't been before and yet you're calling us to go. And so I pray, Lord, that we as a church would choose first to stick close to you. Not choose first understanding, but first to follow you and stay close to you, to seek your presence, to listen to you, to hear and see your word. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that we will be lifted up and encouraged, knowing that, that you love us um, immensely, that it matters to you immensely who we are, where we're going and how we're doing. And that the promise is true, that you are doing a new thing and that you are with us. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.